now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems. And uh, it's the first Saturday of 2016. How often will we be writing the wrong year on checks? Probably a lot. I don't know. I think that most people have a little trouble with that at the beginning of the year. Uh, So what do we have going on for 2016? Well, we hope to talk to you about... What you would like to talk about for the for the year, uh, if you want to give us a call. And um, then a little bit later on, uh, we are going to be talking to a co-worker of mine, Ed Welch. He is the uh, general manager at the AAA Northeast Club. So same club as mine, but he's up in Utica, New York. And this will be a little interesting when all this happens. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Then we also have some news about our... One of our sister stations here, AM 1260 The Buzz, um, where you might be able to find me there sometimes as well. So we we have quite a few things going on. So a lot of different things. uh, And, of course, we want to talk to you about what you have on your mind, about your car and so forth. I pulled something out of uh, one of the magazines this week about the Ford F-150 EcoBoost, the 3.5 liter engine, and some of the issues they've been having with it. One of them, there's been at least seven updates to change calibration and operation software for the 2011 models to address problems with vacuum ignition and transmission shifting. If you get a customer in your shop, and this is a shop magazine, complaining of loss of power stalling, check the computer to make sure it has the latest calibration. There's a technical service bulletin that discusses it. And uh, there's also apparently some premature timing chain wear, which is uh, somewhat, to me... Alarming because timing chains aren't supposed to wear. Since the two point, uh, since the uh, three point five liter EcoBoost turbocharges the oil is under extreme stress. If the driver pushes it past a recommended oil change interval, the first item to show abuse is usually the timing chain. Worn out oil can damage the chain guides and tensioner. When the chain is worn and stretched, the PCM detects the changes in the camshaft position sensor and sets a code. And there's another technical service bulletin for that. So some wear and tear in that engine. And finally, uh, or almost finally, there's some ignition issues. If you get a 3.5 liter EcoBoost with misfire codes, pull the plugs and check the boots and look for carbon tracks and other problems. If there's any, replace the plugs and the boots. And finally, induction cleaning mistakes. That means cleaning the air intake system. The 3.5 liter has not had many issues with carbon buildup, which is good, but some do-it-yourselfers will use induction cleaners that are injected into the intake. These types of cleaners can damage the turbocharger, bearing seals, and turbines. The best advice is use high-quality fuel. Also, Ford has released a new PCV parts and PCM calibration, so another computer calibration to reduce the amount of crankcase vapor ingested into the intake and there's a technical service bulletin for that so this brand new EcoBoost engine or brand new for the last few years has started to show a few little minor issues so worth looking at if you own one of these in an F-150 or maybe even in uh, an Explorer something along those lines it may need some work 
So just something to think about. And here's one. You know, I was talking with Marita earlier. What happened to Kurt, the battery guy? Where'd he go? But this this is kind of right up his alley. Um, you have a car that's doing some weird stuff. This is an accurate technical uh, tip. And it says, many automotive systems today rely on software. Should the software develop errors, which can happen from something like a low battery interrupting a learn procedure can cause all kinds of odd electrical problems that can be hard to troubleshoot. If you have such a problem, try doing a battery cable reset. It just might do the trick. This is something we've been doing for years, and I'm not sure we actually knew why. It was one of those things that's like, well, you know, if it's not doing what it's supposed to do, disconnect the battery. Well, what happens is, uh, and this comes from them, a battery cable reset forces all the capacitors discharge faster and clears and resets most control units in, in their volatile memory. It's like removing and installing a battery or a cell phone that's acting weird or locking up. It's like rebooting a computer, basically. A low battery can cause problems with the electronics. Then get the, uh, before you do anything, get the anti-theft code or any... Uh, for the radio, anything that might be specific to that car. And then here's what you do. Turn the ignition switch to lock, remove the key, disconnect the battery cables, negative first, then positive, short the battery cables together with a jumper wire, turn the ignition switch on, and wait 10 minutes. So the battery's disconnected, the positive and negative cables are off the battery completely, you take a jumper wire, hook those two cables together, and then turn the key on, let it stay on for about 10 minutes, turn the ignition switch back to lock, remove the key, remove the jumper wire, and reconnect the battery cables. Positive cable first, then negative, which is always the way you should do it, by the way. Uh, check with a scan tool for any required reset, relearn, enter the anti-theft codes, and uh, you know, anything else, radio presets and all of that. But basically what it is, it's like taking a car out of the box for the first time. So nothing's been programmed. Everything's completely discharged. So it helps with some issues that could possibly pop up. Weird electrical glitches that sometimes will happen when you have a battery that's just starting to wear out. And the battery voltage could get a little lower than it should. So just something to, just something to be aware of. We've talked a lot about oil and how important it is in cars, and there's all these oil life monitor systems. And this comes on from Underhood Service, and it says, oil monitors talking to the customer about life and reality. That sounds like a pretty deep subject, actually, but... Uh, with today's vehicles, different makes and models have stark differences in component design and engineering, like the uh, Ford EcoBoost, that if you push the oil changes, the timing chain wears first. Um, style between drivers on the road can be just as varied as the vehicles they own. So the question then is, in the face of these variances and variables, uh, what are most oil change guidelines still so uniform and ge generic? So why are they? What are they like? Engine oil deterioration monitoring systems have been around for decades, helping drivers know when it's time to stop for an oil change. But there's still a good deal of confusion about the basic system. You should know how these systems function in order to both service your customers' vehicles and explain them and let them know about the oil life in their cars. So, so it's different systems work different ways. 
Oil monitoring systems judge appropriate oil change intervals using oil deterioration algorithms that estimate oil temperature and engine speed. For example, driving at a high oil temperatures will cause the oil to oxidize, meaning the oil will have greater viscosity and its component additives will begin to break down. Conversely, driving at low oil temperatures will result in... Um, higher than normal oxides of nitrogen, nitric and nitrous acid contamination. This contamination culminates in the production of low-temperature sludge. Therefore, how, in, how you drive a car and how far you drive it can make a major difference in determining when the oil will need to be changed. Vehicles in warmer climates that are used for highway driving are more likely to be able to go longer distances between oil changes, sometimes up to 12,000 miles, depending on the vehicle. On the other end of the spectrum, some cars routinely driven short distances in cold climates may only be able to get 3,000 miles between changes. The average vehicle that is put through both highway and city driving conditions usually can last somewhere between 7,500 and 8,500 miles between oil changes. So, after the oil is changed, you should immediately reset the system. In other words... Even if you change the oil yourself, and there's a there's a way to reset the oil change monitor, you should figure out how to do it. Most vehicle manufacturers allow you to do that without a scan tool. Years ago, Volvo didn't. Volvo was one of those companies that said, no, no, but they finally came up with a fix so that you were able to do that. Oil life is not oil level, which is, I think, more important. Just because a customer's car is equipped with an oil monitor doesn't mean they should forget where the dipstick is located. Oil monitors... Only monitor the life of the oil. They do not gauge how much oil is actually in the vehicle. Make sure your customer knows to regularly check the oil level in their vehicle. And that's what I've been saying for a long time about people with uh, either synthetic oil changes. So they change their oil and, and use synthetic oil only. Or they switch to synthetic oil with the hopes of being able to stretch out their oil changes. Well, that's all well and fine, but if an average car burns a quart of oil every 1,500 miles or 1,000 miles, and you go 5,000 miles between oil changes, by the time you get in to have the oil change, you'll have no oil in the engine. And, you know, being down a quart of oil is okay. Being down two, you're going to start to wear the engine. Oil life monitors are not sophisticated enough to know what type of oil you're using Although some synthetic oils may last longer than traditional oils, the oil life monitor will not be able to distinguish the present between these synthetics and the systems are calibrated off the factory fill. So in other words, if for some reason you had a car with synthetic oil and it had an oil life monitor and you went to conventional oil or synthetic blend oil, the system doesn't know that. And it says, as mentioned previously, climate can dramatically impact how, the, how often the car's oil needs to be changed. However, the oil life monitor automatically adjusts to changes in weather and climate so that neither the technician nor the customer need to worry about these systems. That's in the ones that actually work that way. Some are just based on mileage and time. And they don't really, they're not that sophisticated. Others actually have a sensor in the oil that will actually monitor some of the contamination so they're all a little bit different but the important part is you need to make sure the oil is full and make sure it's clean so check it make sure it looks okay and then you're in good shape this column uh, this question comes from actually the boston herald and i don't 
get the Herald very often anymore. But there's a section called Car Smart, Start Your Engines. And um, Paul Brand is the author of How to Repair Your Car. He's an automotive troubleshooter, driving instructor, former race car driver. Uh, he writes out of actually the, the Star Tribune out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. But his column appears in the Herald and says, uh, I always enjoy reading column. Oh, you have a 2013 Toyota Corolla with 7,000 miles, a 2012 Toyota Sienna with 44,000 miles. Both have automatic transmissions. When we bought these cars, the two different dealers both told me the automatic transmission could be downshifted when braking without doing any harm, and it would help preserve the brakes. I do this whenever I see a stop sign or steep hill ahead. It always works fine, and so far I have no problems with the transmission. Is it really okay to downshift automatic transmissions? And he says, as I said in last week's column, downshifting to aid in braking with either a manual or automatic transmission isn't necessarily harmful. It's just it just causes unnecessary wear and tear on the transmission. One of the more expensive components in any modern automobile. He's, yeah, you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars to replace a transmission. Maybe the best way to look at this is to identify the primary function of the transmission. Multi-ratio devices designed to operate the engine in its most efficient RPM range at any speed. It does not provide anything more than marginal deceleration benefit when downshifting while the vehicle is slowing. The braking system, on the other hand, provides no benefit while accelerating, but does an amazingly efficient job of slowing the vehicle, whether gently for an upcoming stop or aggressively. For every motor vehicle... Every motor vehicle has five engines. Really? The primary engine converts the energy into uh, energy and fuel into heat and combustion, producing power. The four brakes are also engines of a type, converting the energy of motion into heat and dissipating the heat into the atmosphere. The four brakes are far more powerful engines than the power plant under the hood. The proof is a simple fact that the modern cars will stop much faster than they accelerate. Amazingly, brakes are far less costly to service than, and uh, replace than engines or transmissions. And, inter and interestingly, brake components like tires rank at the very top of the vehicle. Safety components are yet are at the lower end of vehicle maintenance costs. So to specifically answer your question, which was a long way around to get there, uh, manually downshifting aid deceleration is harmful. It just serves no purpose except in certain scenarios like long downhill Descends to prevent brakes from overheating, but it adds to your enjoyment. Well, you can keep on going it, going and doing it, but here's the way I look at it. People used to downshift when brakes were terrible. They, were, they didn't stop the car very well and what weather they didn't work very well. And then as we got disc brakes, they worked much better. And I agree that brakes are far cheaper to fix than a, a transmission if you want to do it once in a while because it makes you feel sporty. Go ahead and do it, but I think it's not the best thing you could do. Why don't we take a little break? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. In fact, for the first call of 2016, you'll get a pair of tickets to the Boston Auto Show. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. Every day I'd watch their beauties roll by And sometimes I'd hang my head and cry Cause I always wanted me one that was long and black 
One day I devised myself a plan that should be the envy of most any man. I'd sneak it out of there in the lunchbox in my hand. Now getting caught meant getting fired, but I figured I'd have it all by the time I retired. I'd have me a car worth at least a hundred grand. WROL Boston. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, WROL, the spirit of Boston, goes with you. That's because we are no longer trapped inside a radio. We are now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. On iTunes, on iHeart, on your own app, on our website, on ChristianRadio.com, on your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 9.50 a.m. WROL, the spirit of Boston. Miss your favorite show? And you have to have an antidote, but it doesn't exist on earth. It exists in heaven. That anointing from Christ. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Or do you just want to hear it again? Check out our podcast page at WROLradio.com. All your favorite ministries on demand whenever you want them, day or night, and all for free. Just visit our podcast page at WROLradio.com. Download and enjoy. Now at Sullivan Tire and Auto Service through January 31st, get up to a $70 mail-in rebate when you buy any four BF Goodrich tires in stock. We have quality BF Goodrich tires for whatever you drive, like the BF Goodrich All-Terrain TAKO2 or the Advantage TA. All at great prices and all in stock at Sullivan Tire. And at Sullivan Tire and Auto Service, we'll keep your car running right all winter. Stop in for our thorough factory-scheduled maintenance check. Our ASC certified technicians will check out your battery and charging system, radiator Antifreeze, inspect your tires and air pressure, brakes, all system fluids, steering and suspension, belts, hoses, the exhaust system, exterior lights, wiper blades, and more. Don't miss your chance to drive home on a new set of quality BF Goodrich tires and save up to $70 by mail-in rebate, now through January 31st. Sullivan Tire, your BF Goodrich headquarters. This is a dealer-funded promotion. See SullivanTire.com or visit a Sullivan Tire location for complete details. Listening to the Car Doctor. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, get around, get around, round, round, I get And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Well, we have some news. Besides the fact, the first person who calls in, maybe you didn't hear, first person who calls in today, just to say hello, you don't have to have a question, but you have to say hello, will get a pair of tickets to the Boston Auto Show. And in fact, next week we're going to be talking to Barbara Pudney about the show, because it's coming up uh, just a week after that. But we have some news. If you like listening to this program... And you haven't found out our new station yet, AM 1260, The Buzz, where you can find news talk, business talk, on Sunday nights at 9. Yeah, Sunday nights at 9, if you tune over to 1260 AM, you'll hear some reruns of this program. So if you like to listen to the program and you call in once in a while, you may hear yourself on Sunday nights. So, and it may start as soon as tomorrow. If Marita does all her job. But yeah, there's all, uh, on, um, 
On the buzz is uh, Mike Gallagher, Hugh Hewitt, Michael Medved, Bill Bennett, Dennis Prager, sort of all the Salem regulars. And we get to share a little company on the station on Sunday nights at 9 o'clock. So I think it's going to start tomorrow. So AM 1260, and uh, it's Boston Conservatives Talk Alternative. So check it out. Should be fun. Uh, This comes from our buddy Jay Davidson. He sent me a magazine, and he says, I haven't, uh, I I should worry when I do this. He uh, sent me this uh, magazine, and on the top of it, he writes, good column. And I haven't read it yet, so I'm going to read it now. That could be scary. Our phone number again, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And uh, Diane and Braintree sent me an email, and she said, love your show, love the auto show, any chance of getting tickets to the RV show? Maybe. I'm working on it. So we'll see what happens. Um, I was getting my oil changed and tires rotated at a shop recently. When it happened, it was a moment several technicians hurried to one of my car's wheels. I didn't hear a tire explode, thankfully. No one was injured, thankfully. And nothing was on fire, thankfully. Intuitively, I quickly realized their curiosity was the result of seeing another technician's handiwork with the impact wrench. I already knew what his, what his in his hand. I think they may have a typo here. I already knew what was in his hand uh, when the technician walked up to me. The wheel stud. The conversation began like, well, there's a parts store down the street. You can grab one there for about five bucks. So really, I thought to myself, I already knew that. The issue really is, how do I get the new stud on my car right now? Sometimes it just happens, he said trying to explain the situation. Never mind that. I regularly have my tires rotated here and that they were the last people to use an impact wrench on my wheel studs. I already knew what happened by examining the broken stud. The previous technician cross-threaded it with the impact wrench and because they didn't first hand-tighten it to see it was threaded properly. I quickly realized this is going nowhere and I left the shop without a wheel stud. Luckily, His Subaru had five studs, and while missing one of five probably is an earth-shaking disaster, I nevertheless wanted to get it done sooner rather than later. After trading a few emails with the manager of the shop, who wasn't there that day, to uh, cut a check to cover my cost of repair, he reviewed my service record, saw that I regularly rotated the tires, and that they made a mistake. Plus, it's hard to argue with a torn-off stud in your hand. The whole experience left me with a bad feeling that I haven't been back. Yes, they made it right at the end of the day, but it shouldn't have gone as far as it did. Did I get a follow-up email, a card with a coupon to come back for another oil change or tire rotation? Nope. I realize lots of other more important things are happening around the world that make this customer service complaint seem right, downright trivial. However, we are all in the customer service business, and this was not a good example of customer service. I agree. And a lot of times, we do hear about... Just this type of thing. And why does it happen? Well, it happens because people don't. They just run on, they just run, run the uh, lug, lug nuts up with an air gun. And if there's rust in there or something in there. And, you know, what I'll say to people sometimes if they go to remove a lug and it breaks. Well, and some people say, well, you use that powerful gun. Well, the gun's only 
going to exert as much power as necessary to get the lug nut off. Why it broke was somebody did something wrong previously. And that happens quite a bit. So it always makes sense to try to really make sure the, the lugs are clean, the studs are clean, a little bit of oil if necessary, and run them up by hand or with a light impact, and then finish them off with a torque wrench. It's the only smart thing to do. Let's talk to uh, John on line one. John? Yeah. yeah, hi, John. How are you? I look forward to your show, and I even recommend your show, Stone St. Louis, to get you on the internet. Oh, good. <laughs> hey, I was wondering if you could do a weekly review of electric vehicles. It's almost like a forgotten segment. You see almost no advertisements at all or commercials for electric cars at all. Well, and, yeah, and you know, it's... um. And you, you never see a commercial other than Nissan Leaf. Once, I see once, one. once in a while, you never see you never see the smart car, which is um, back some time ago. And I and I thought he, uh, I thought he maybe got mad at me. But I had Herb Chambers on, and Herb Chambers sells every car under the under the sun. And I said to him, you know, you were talking once about the smart car, and you kind of wondered you weren't really enthused about it, even though you sold it. And uh, and then you said how much you really liked. Um, how much you really like the uh, the smart electric car. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, well, who told you that? And I said, well, you did. And he was good. then he kind of went, well, it must be true then. You know, so, uh, but you're right. You don't see a lot. Um, you know, Tesla, I guess, doesn't need to advertise because they sell as many of those $100,000 cars as they can make. And they're coming out with the Model X, too. And right. Almost, some people don't even know of Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, the and Chevy's come out with the, something called the Chevy Bolt B O L T, which is going to be competitive with the cheap Tesla, so under forty thousand dollars. But yeah. you're right, there isn't a lot. Uh, we have uh, we have uh, I know a couple of listeners who have electric cars. There's not many, and they're all you know they're they're getting better all the time. I drove the electric Kia, um, which I really liked. Uh, it had about a hundred mile range. It performed really, really well. The problem is, it really needed a two hundred and forty volt uh, outlet to charge up. If you tried to charge it up on a hundred and ten volt outlet, it took literally twenty four hours to charge up. If it was fully, if it was fully discharged. Well, that but, could work for some people though. It don't blow too often. Right, right. For me, I actually drove it back and forth to work one day, which is almost a hundred miles, and I rolled into my driveway with about five miles left on it. And I plugged it in, and the next day it was still only about 60, 60% recharged. So for me to drive it that kind of distance, which is not what it's really designed for, uh, but I drove it that kind of distance, and it worked out It worked out fine, but it was a little bit of a, a little. The first, time, the first time I drove home with just a couple miles left on the, uh, on the uh, uh, battery meter, I was a little nervous, but then I realized, you know, as long as it was a couple miles left, I was going to be fine. So, uh, but yeah, that's a that's a good idea. We'll talk more about yeah, electric cars. You don't see any electric trucks other than in Germany. They have Nissan has the electric van. Yeah, and the only yeah. ones you see around here are um, a Coca Cola or Fritos. I think they have there those commercial a, vans that are powered by electricity. There was a Boulder electric uh, truck in Boulder in Colorado. I guess. Yep. Went belly up or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, out out here years ago, we had uh, the uh, U.S. Electric Auto Company. They were out in Acton, and we had yeah. Solectria up in uh, Wilmington. I remember that. That's, yeah, the young guy that started that. He was a teenager. He used to call me way back in the eighties. Oh yeah, in high school. 
and he built himself a little electric uh, cot. He yep. used to run around the neighborhood. Yep. And then he went to MIT, and then he became a big shot in his company. And I used to call him and never get a hold of him. Yeah, he, yeah, he actually, he actually, I think he married his longtime girlfriend too, and and they sold all their they sold all their patents to GM and like the hybrid buses that run around Logan, I think, are all off of his patents. So there was a city van too. I yeah, yeah, van, electric truck, no, no, I I think as much as some people don't think electric vehicles have a place, I think they I think they actually do. And in fact, the Tesla, the new. Hot Rod Tesla, the 85D with the performance option, they ran that on an eighth of a mile race against the uh, the Hellcat, the 770 horsepower Hellcat, and an eighth of a mile, the Tesla was faster. Well, I was in a Tesla was in St. Louis and uh, zero to 60 in about three seconds. Yeah, yeah, no, they're incredibly fast, incredibly fast. It's just a five-passenger and... You know, I tell people, you don't watch black and white television. Why do you drive a gasoline car? And I hear you talking about oil. Why would anybody want to bother with oil changes, timing belts, mufflers, catalytic converters? It has fuel moving parts, the electric car. So why not go electric? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Hmm. Hey, I'll tell you what, you know, interesting conversation. I'll tell you what, stay right there. We'll get you a pair of tickets to the auto right, show. You. Okay? Thank you very All much. right, thank you. So, Marita will take care of that. And congratulations to Drew McIntyre, who was the first caller for this year. So he's going to get a pair of tickets to the auto show. So uh, all kinds of good stuff. So we'll let Marie get caught up with that. And uh, a good article, as always, from uh, Scott Gonzo Weaver. We've had Gonzo on the show a couple times. He says, uh, an older gentleman came into the shop with the wipers that would not turn on. The customer was insistent that it had to be a serious malfunction. He was so sure of himself that he made me think there was something seriously wrong with the car. If it was going to be a huge expense, he wasn't going to have it fixed. Instead, he'd return the car to the dealer he just bought it from. I drove the car into the shop with the wipers on full blast, wiping away on a very dry windshield. Just before I turned off the key, I gave the uh, gave it a shot on the windshield cleaner. The old guy had already gone through all the entire bottle. I shut the car off, planned to take... Uh, Take care of the fluid later. The nice thing about newer cars is the factory scanners have individual systems on the screen so you can check them without tearing anything apart. Grabbing the test light or grabbing a test light, you can read the system on the screen and determine the fault without getting dirty. Pretty cool, if you ask me. I grabbed my scanner, plugged it in the car. Next, I found a menu for subsystem wiper diagnostics. According to the scanner, the switch override and main relay were both on. The low and high speed controls both tested out okay. Even the windshield washer pump could be tested. So I filled the reservoir, press the button and the scanner, and activate the pump. It's okay. So now what's the problem? All the guys in the shop are watching me uh, standing behind the door, uh, holding the scanner, dodging the windshield washer spray as if it were uh, incoming fire from an enemy sniper. As always, there were plenty of sarcastic remarks from the crew and a few choice words from me. When I get hit by the windshield washer spray, reading a scanner is one thing. Understanding what you're looking at is another. Here, I was with the scanner, watching his command signals, uh, telling me what the wipers are on. Not once looking to check the position of the wiper switch. So far, I filled out an invoice, brought the car in the shop, got the scanner, hooked it up, played around with the scanner, but never checked the basics. I was feeling a little dumb at this point. The boss isn't supposed to do stupid things like not checking the switch. And uh, 
interestingly, that's what the junior mechanic is supposed to get caught doing, not the old man himself. I was uh, hoping nobody noticed with a little shy movement of the left hand, twisting the wiper switch to the off position. A quick glance on the scanner's information now showed command signal off. The wiper stopped. It's a miracle. The old guy drove his car all the way to the shop with the wiper switch on, and he went, and I went straight for the scanner. You would think that I would have at least looked for the position wiper switch before I did anything. I could have saved a lot of time. I took the, the car around to the front of the building, gave the keys back to the proud owner. He was busy telling another customer about me and how I knew and how he knew I could fix anything on the car and how I was always honest and upfront with my services. When I told him no charge, he turned to the lady and said, see what I told you? I was actually happier for myself than the customer why, you ask? Because I didn't have to explain to anyone in the shop how the boss couldn't figure out how the wiper switch was left on without consulting a scanner. You know, this new technology is great, and these new scanners are wonderful, but I have to remind myself every once in a while, keep it simple, stupid. And a lot of sense about that. So, why don't we take another break? And when we come back, if we do everything just right, and this is going to be a little complicated, I think. We're going to be talking to Ed Welch. Ed Welch is the, uh, he's been in AAA for as long as I have. And for the past 28 years, he also hosts a radio show. And it should be on right now up in Utica, New York. And interestingly enough, it's on AM 952. We'll be right back. On the other side of the street, I knew, stood a girl that looked like you. I guess that's deja vu, but I thought this can't be true, cause you moved to West L.A. or New York or Santa Fe or wherever to get away from me. Oh, but that one night was more than just right. I didn't leave you, cause I was all through. Oh, I was overwhelmed and frankly scared as hell. W.R.O.L. Boston. There's a place you can go for good, clean family entertainment without leaving home. A place with no violence or profanity. A place safe enough to let your kids roam free. That place is the all-new GodTube.com. Your online family getaway for the best Christian comedy, entertainment, and music videos. With music favorites like Chris Tomlin. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. Comedians like Tim Hawkins. There's a lot of hand sanitizer in church. Anybody notice that? I don't know. At my church, they have these two hand sanitizer stations right by the front door greeters. That is not a good message. Your place for great music and good, clean family fun. The all-new GodTube.com. For good, clean family entertainment, comedy, and inspiration, the easy answer is GodTube.com. GodTube.com. Log on now to GodTube.com. The Great Molasses Flood of 1919, they were there. The Prue pierces the skyline. 1964, they were there. 2004, Boston baseball reigns supreme again. 
They were there. They were there when Starrow Drive opened in 1951. And when the first flight landed at Logan in 1923, they were there. They've been here for a hundred years of Boston, uniquely Boston, City of Boston Credit Union. Memberships open to anyone living or working in Suffolk or Norfolk counties. And when it comes to loans, when you need a loan, there's no place like City of Boston Credit Union. They are there, there for you. Home loans, vehicle, tuition, energy and personal, City of Boston Credit Union, 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union is NMLS number 403469 equal housing lender. Visit cityofbostoncu.com for more. City of Boston Credit Union, uniquely Boston. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Well, this could be a little bit confusing, but we're going to try our best to try to make this all happen as soon as uh, we know that that's really going to happen the way it's supposed to. But um, originally, uh, when I went to work at AAA, it was AAA Massachusetts. We were located in Rockland, Massachusetts. Then it became AAA Mass. New Hampshire, then it became AAA Mass again, then it became AAA Southern New England, which was part of Rhode Island, then it became AAA Southern New England, Rhode Island, and Connecticut, then it became AAA Northeast, which was New Jersey, part of New Jersey, then it became AAA Northeast again, and it incorporated a lot of New York up into Upper State New York, up into Utica, and Nearly 30 years ago, I met a guy up at the AAA office in Utica, Ed Welch. Ed Welch was, the at the time, the manager of our approved auto repair department uh, for uh, uh, AAA divisions up in that area. And now he is the general manager up there in AAA Northeast. And he's a regional general manager for the central region. And he's been with AAA for a lot of years, but he's also been hosting a program on uh, WIBX 950 AM called Auto Talk. And if all this works, Ed is there. John, how are you? Good, how are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. You know, it's uh, here in the Boston area. Uh, on Christmas Day, it was 70 degrees. This morning, it was about 28 degrees. What's it like where, it's, where winter really happens? Well... I'll tell you what, John. I mean, Boston probably had the worst winter in recorded history last year, and uh, we had a pretty harsh one here ourselves in upstate New York. But uh, right now, this morning, it's about uh, 25 degrees. We got a little bit of snow, but it's going to go below zero uh, over the, uh, by Monday. And uh, you know, we normally get lots of snow. And let's face it, we had a really easy fall, and I, I think uh, we all deserved it, especially after last winter. But you know, you know how you're supposed to get your flu shot. And you're supposed to get yourself vaccinated for winter. Yep. John, I want to talk a little bit about vaccinating our, our vehicles for winter. And uh, I, want to rely, I want to talk about basically four different areas. Uh, you know, for example, uh, Mom used to tell us, before you went out in the snow, you got to put your galoshes on, right? Mm-hmm. So we would uh, at least go get ourselves a good set of tires when it comes to our cars. I want to talk a little bit about tires. Cause let's face it, John, everything comes today with, with all-season tires. 
and they're good until we get about at least three inches of snow, then they're not so good. Yeah, it really is true because uh, all-season tires is sort of like one-size-fits-all, and I'm old enough to remember that all-season tires, I thought, worked pretty well because they all they really seem to cater them towards winter, but now all-season tires are more, to me, more for new, for the Northeast, more like three-season tires. Exactly. And of course, you know, you and I have both been around long enough. I can remember the, the, the winter changeover season where everyone would come to the, to the shop. We would, we would swap out their summer tires and put their good snow tires on for the winter. And uh, there are some people that still do that today, but it's not as easy as it used to be, is it? No, not at all, because you're also putting four on, and you're also dealing with things like tire pressure monitor systems. Which, of course, uh, every car now is built with them, and... Uh, you know, when you just can't put the tires on anymore because you got to reset the computer. Right. It, it's, it, it makes it that much more difficult. But somebody showed me a picture of something and it said, it, it said think about your car. And it had one, it was a guy standing up and it had one foot that had a, a snow boot on. The other one had a flip-flop on it and said, you know, which one would you take out in the winter? Exactly. Now, now here in, in New York State, uh, we, we can actually pass a tire for inspection with one-sixteenth of, of tread left on it. So imagine these 50, 60, 70,000-mile all-season tires, and here we are. And they, and they might have one or two-sixteenths left on it. They, once the tire gets past five, five or less, mm. it's, it's almost useless in the snow. Yeah, it really is, and and we see that a lot, unfortunately. And and just like and just like me, you know what? You know our primary road service calls. They're flat tires. They're dead batteries. And you know, in this type of type of year, you know, people that slid off the road because just for that reason. And you think about it, the tires, the only part of your car that touches the ground. So shouldn't they be in good shape? Oh, exactly. And if you think about it, each tire's got about a four-inch square patch at any moment. So if you think about that, there's literally about sixteen square inches. Of, of of contact between you and the road at any given moment. And uh, it's amazing to me that, that uh, I think a whole generation of people have not learned a lot about snow tires. And, of course, uh, admittedly, we don't want to be taking them on and off every year. So if, if you're going to buy snow tires, uh, you do need four. And, of course, uh, if, you, if you're getting with a newer car, uh, you're going to need uh, a set of rims to go with that. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to have the tire pressure monitors built in. Otherwise, you're going to have a real problem. That's right. Absolutely right. And, you know, fortunately, some of the manufacturers are getting away from those direct style monitors and they're just they're going back to using sort of an ABS type calculation, which saves you a little bit. But still, if you have my car is seven years old, it has the metal stems with the tire pressure monitor systems in it. And, yeah, you know, putting four snow tires on. Yeah, you're putting four. You're getting another set of tire pressure monitors. Exactly. And I and I think that. uh you know, I think it was uh, BMW was the last one I looked at that, that didn't have the, the old have them inside the tires, mm. and uh, I, I think you're right. I think they need to go back to that just to make it simpler for the consumer because it's ridiculous. It's a very expensive proposition to come up with four rims and the tire pressure monitors just to give your snow tires on. That's right, and we're starting to see those seven and eight year old tire pressure monitors that are built into the wheels. The battery's are going dead now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, technology is wonderful, and then you realize how much it's going to cost when it reaches into your wallet. That's right. Okay, so we got good galoshes. What's the next step? I want to talk about boosting your engine's immune system. Uh, you know, we, we talk about uh, engine-killing freeze-ups. People don't check the coolant level very often, and I think uh, many people don't realize that uh, although ethyl glycol never goes bad, which is what antifreeze is made of these days, but, uh, but the problem is that the uh, end of package goes bad in it, and if uh, over time you've been adding water to it, it's going to get weaker, isn't it? It certainly is. 
So and we, and we still see freeze-ups. It's amazing. Right, and we just can't use the color of the coolant as a guide anymore. Uh, you know, you say, well, look, it's, it's nice and bright green, so it must be okay. That, that, that doesn't cut the mustard, does it? No, not at all. In fact, and the other the other problem is, uh, I I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, the other day, and he said at his shop he keeps at least eight different kinds of coolant on the shelf. Oh, sure, we got the pink yep. stuff, the red stuff. You've got the old orange stuff, the General Motors orange stuff. Yep. I mean, it's it, it, and to me, it's it's ridiculous that they went to that. You had the blue stuff for the Korean cars, yep. and and you say to yourself, why did they do this? And you had the red stuff for Toyota. It's like it's crazy, John. Mm-hmm. It is. And uh, but uh, the unit, how good does the universal antifreeze work? Well, it's like everything; one size fits all. Exactly, it, it doesn't fit anybody right. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and of course, uh, the other issue is not just uh, what, what what temperature it's set for. Obviously, you should use the proper antifreeze, fifty fifty mix of water and antifreeze. And a lot of times, you can buy this stuff already pre mixed at the store now. If you don't want to do it yourself and have to have two bottles of this stuff laying around. That's right, and you can, you're can. you right. You can buy it pre-mixed. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. It's more expensive pre-mixed than the regular stuff, but it is pre-mixed. You know it's right. You know it's using the. It's not tap water in there. It's the right kind of water in there, and right out of the jug, it's good to 34 below zero. Exactly. Now, remember, when we were in high school, we used to use litmus paper, and we, we used to be able to check the pH of stuff, and really, that's still a good idea to check what's in your antifreeze and your radiator. As a, yeah, yeah, because you, do, you, don't, want, you don't want acidic... Uh, coolant in there. I remember having a car come in one day, and I was playing around with a voltmeter, and I put one end into the uh, one end into the radiator and grounded the other end, and I got almost a volt and a half out of the radiator. Sure, it became a battery. Yep. And and, uh, and of course, what is that doing to the to the metal inside the vehicle? Not good things. Absolutely it's not. It's like so, it's like people that are old enough to remember Pac Man. Think of the Pac Man eating their way through. That's right. So. It's not just whether you're set for 34 below zero, but it's also whether or not that, that, that your coolant is turning into a, it's acid. Mm. So, okay, we've got, our, we've got the immune system working. We've, we've got our galoshes squared away. I want to talk about getting a fresh serving of juice every morning. And, of course, that's from our battery. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people realize or don't understand this, but battery ratings are like at about 68 degrees Fahrenheit. So if, if your battery's got 750 cold cranking amps, when it was originally built, uh, from a national standard standpoint, that was at 68 degrees. I think a lot of people don't realize that about zero Fahrenheit, which uh, we're going to be to zero here on Monday, uh, that's about a 50% drop at that temperature. And uh, all of a sudden, you've got a four- or five-year-old battery, which, of course, the battery degrades itself over time. And uh, now all of a sudden, Jesus, it was good yesterday, but yesterday it was maybe 40, 50 degrees. Mm. Today's zero out. And all of a sudden, it doesn't want to start. What's going on with that? Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and that's that's one of the things I, I know. Living around here, we see batteries. Yeah, you know, we we we've been sort of saying the same thing every three years. You know, if your battery's three years old, check it. Uh, when it gets close to five years old, just think about replacing it because it's not going to last that much longer. Although I talked to somebody the other day who has a eleven year old battery in a car, and he said, "What should I do?" And I said, "Well, the, my first instinct is to replace it. My second instinct is to see how long it will go before you have to before you need that last jump start before you got to buy a battery." Because now I'm just curious. Yeah, exactly, and and of course, uh, you know, sometimes things work out, and uh, you know, if you're in a if you're in a heated garage, and you and if you're not using your car much, and you keep it on a battery tender, uh, they will last a long mm-hmm. time, undoubtedly. But in many cases, the car is outside for most of us, and we're using it every day, 
and it's it, it's it's subjected to the elements, and uh, it does degrade over time. And uh, you know, the good news besides the the AAA battery service, uh, most auto parts stars will come out and test it for you. Yeah, no, they they really will. Before only because. Uh I think I have ADD or something. A real popular Christmas gift this year was those little lithium uh, jumpstart boxes, the little small ones. They're the size of a, a paperback book. What do you What do you think of those? You know what? It, it works a whole lot better than thinking something's going to plug into your cigarette lighter. Yeah. Work. So, so I, I think that uh, you know the technology is getting there. Uh, obviously, we should take advantage of it. But a lot of people, you know, don't think of having one of those things running around. And just like when they disconnect their battery, John, they don't think about using a memory minder. That's right. And uh, if you want to reset your clock and everything else, uh, uh, which is always a fun thing to do because everyone forgets how to do it. You always notice I get calls around right around daylight savings time. And yeah. uh, when people got to change their clocks and they forget how to do it. And it's because uh, maybe you do it once a year or twice a year. And uh, they got three cars in the family, and they, they know how to do theirs, but they don't know how to do their wife's car or their kid's car. And uh, we, we actually get some phone calls about changing clocks for people. Yeah, no, it, 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 all that kind of stuff happens. So, yeah, uh, but, but, yeah, use the, use the memory saver. If you're going to do, do the battery yourself, use the memory saver. I was talking earlier in the program about how sometimes uh, when you have a battery that goes a little bit low, it's not quite dead, it can create electrical gremlins. And then there's times that you actually want to completely discharge all the electrical systems in the car to try to reset the whole electrical system. So things happen, things happen for weird, weird, weird things sometimes. So. Well, when things get to low voltage, the computers start acting kind of goofy. Yep. It, it starts to act like HAL. Yeah. 2001. Yeah. And uh, so the, you're right. Some, sometimes the best thing to do is just disconnect everything and let it go dead, and then let's, let's put everything back to proper voltage. So uh, and I think the last thing about batteries I want to talk about is if, if you're going to get involved cleaning your terminals and everything, people don't realize about the sulfuric acid that just sits there and uh, the, the corrosion that collects on battery terminals. Mm. They need to be careful with that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and the best, uh, way to, best way to clean it off is nice and simple, though, right? Exactly. A little yeah. baking soda, a little water. Yep. And uh, neutralizes it. Again, it goes back to high school chemistry, doesn't it, John? It certainly does. It's uh, it's all real basic. Clean it off. Make sure it's good and clean. Put a little bit of, uh, you know, there's all kinds of different, you know, stuff you can put on to try to keep the corrosion down afterwards. I've found uh, something as simple as uh, barbecue grill paint. A little spray on top of the terminals. is dries real quick. Forms a nice little seal. And that's really what you're trying to do. Just yep. create a little bit of a, a, a barrier so the, yep. chemicals, so the chemicals don't work. Yep. And the last thing I want to talk about, you know, we've, we again, we've talked about your immune system. We've talked about your galoshes. We've talked about getting some juice. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is some decongestants. You know, you can't drive safely if you can't see clearly. So I would think that a lot of people should take a good look at their windshield wipers today. And uh, perhaps uh, we've always recommended that you should switch them out, have a winter set and a summer set. Makes sense. It, it's uh, how many times have and I know you you've seen it. You're on the road a lot. How many times have you seen that person do the trick where they got the window down? And they're trying to smack the driver's side windshield wiper because it's all filled up with ice. Exactly, and the again the the, the winter wiper blades are designed to deal with the snow, and uh, the, the rubber cover that's on most of them at least helps keep some of the ice from forming up on the mechanism, so it stays curved to the windshield. Right, and uh, that's what's really happening is the wood the the windshield wiper blade is trying to go flat because it's frozen, and uh, of course it's not making contact with the glass. And, and again, depending on your vehicle, most cars have a pretty curvy windshield. Mm. Yeah, my my eight year old car, I use kind of a hybrid one. It's sort of a, it's not a beam, it's not a rubber covered one, but it's a wiper blade covered with like a metal covering over it. And 
I use them year round. They work great. Yeah, and then that, that metal stays stays like a spring. Yep, and it keeps everything uh, nice and tight onto the windshield. And that's really the bottom line: is if if you can just get good contact, it'll stay clean. And of course, uh, cleaning the wiper blades is a simple matter: a little Windex, paper towel, just yep. wipe the dead rubber off it because it oxidizes so heavily. And then, of course, we've got the stuff that we put on the windshield. And, and you know, some of these glass treatments that we see out there, Aquapel or Rain-X, mm. you know, that will prevent some ice from sticking to the windshield. But, uh, you know, a lot of people don't have a good time putting that stuff on the windshield. Mm. You know, you've got to apply it correctly. You've got to apply it where, where it's warm, and you've got to rub it on and rub it off correctly. Otherwise, it's not going to work right. So, the, of course, we're most of us rely on windshield washer fluid. Right. And... Uh, I think it would be a good time if you if you haven't finished using your summer stuff not to use it. Yeah, no, it really it really is, and uh, you know, be be a little bit careful. A few years ago, uh, there was a winter washer solvent shortage, and we were seeing stuff up here in the Northeast that was made for Florida, and it said protects the ten above zero. Well, exactly. When you walk into the store, and it's got the big pyramid display. And it's, you know, a buck a bottle. You better look real close to what it is. Uh, absolutely true. Get the get the stuff that uh, makes uh, that protects against well below freezing. A good quality product. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day when somebody comes into his shop for winter wiper blades. He doesn't just throw the wiper blades on. He actually takes a clay bar, cleans the windshield completely, puts a little bit of something like Rain-X on the window afterwards, and then puts the wiper blades on. He says, yeah, you know, I charge a little bit for it, but people go away and the wipers actually work afterwards rather than throw a set of windshield wipers on a car and have the wipers still chatter afterwards. Well, you know, it's amazing that things people will buy for their cars, but they won't spend an extra buck or two just for something simple for good visibility. So, again, this is a good thing to have done right about now. We've had a great fall, and uh, we've had an easy beginning of winter. But, you know, old man winter is going to come and bite us. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Okay, we were talking about windshield wipers. Are you a windshield wiper arm up guy or down guy in the wintertime? I'm an up guy. You're an up guy. I'm an up guy because uh, when you got to take a foot of snow off of the windshield, I don't like having them sitting down there. Yeah, everybody has a different opinion. I I, I kind of go I kind of go either way. Uh, the good thing about leaving the windshield wipers up is you remember to shut them off. Exactly, and uh, you know, a lot of times when you when you you know when you have to rip one off, when you have to peel it off the windshield, you know you're killing it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and so to, to me, it's I think I think I look at it two ways. Overnight, I'd be more apt to leave them down because I'm home and I'm going to let the yep. car warm up. But when you get out of work or something, you don't want to be dealing with that, or you're going shopping or something. So the the up. The up stuff works better if you're if you're not if you're on the road, so to speak, going to be out for an hour or two and going back in the car because you're not going to wait around outside for it to warm up. When you're home, you're most likely to start up and let it warm up a while while you're clearing all the snow off. Yeah, I I just see so many people that drive drive someplace. They go to park. Maybe it was just lightly snowing and they left the windshield wipers on. You they, uh, you know you get seven eight inches of snow. You come out. They go to start the car, and that wiper motor is trying to push that eight inches of snow off the windshield. And you know if you're lucky, all it does is pop a fuse or a circuit breaker. If you're unlucky, and it burns out the windshield wiper motor, some of these windshield wiper motors are five hundred bucks. Exactly, and you don't get to find that out. You get to replace one. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a simple matter just to remember these things, and and that's the purpose of our conversation this morning is to remind everybody of all the stuff they kind of already know. But probably had forgotten because we've had such a nice, long, warm fall. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, we got to go, but it was a pleasure talking to you. We were talking with Ed Welsh. He is the, uh, uh, what, what is your title? Regional General Manager? That, that's correct. And uh, 
And we're up here in uh, central New York. And, of course, uh, you know, we, you're on my show today. And, you know, John, we're both AM 950. I know. Kind that's, of scary, isn't it? That, that is pretty scary. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so thank you, uh, the car doctor, for joining us today. All right. Take yeah, care, we'll Ed. We'll again soon, John. All right. Take care. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. And happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well and all your listeners. Uh, that was Ed Welch. He is a regional general manager for AAA Northeast. So we're all AAA Northeast in this area now. And uh, I, I knew Eddie back, uh, I think I met him 25 years ago or something. So uh, I just wanted to, I, I thought it would be kind of fun to do this. So why don't we take a quick break? If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. If you're on hold, stay right there. If you're not... We have a line open for you. It looks like one, at least, anyway. 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. WROL Boston. At Sullivan Tire and Auto Service, we offer the largest variety of quality road gripping tires at the best prices around. Sullivan Tire is proud to be New England's Michelin Tire Headquarters. And now through January 31st, you'll save big on all Michelin tires. Buy four Michelin tires and receive a $70 mail-in rebate. Michelin tires are known for their great tread design, durability, and handling. So it's the perfect time to save big on such tires as the Michelin Premier AS, safe when new, safe when worn, and the Michelin Premier LTX. And remember, our ASC certified technicians will keep your car running right all season long. Stop in today for our thorough factory scheduled maintenance check. Right now, don't miss your chance to drive home on a new set of quality Michelin tires and save $70 by mail-in rebate. Hurry, offer ends January 31st. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it, we provide it. This is a dealer-funded promotion. See SullivanTire.com or visit the Sullivan Tire location for complete details. Salem Media Group is pleased to welcome a new show on our airwaves, Catch a Vision with Susie and Allie. This unique and engaging program will captivate you with its interviews and special guests. Be sure to catch it premiere Sunday, January 3rd at 10.30 a.m. on WROL 9.50 a.m. At Salem Radio, we're in the birthday business. Let us throw your birthday party. The package includes a full tour of our studios, an in-studio radio recording with a birthday child and guests, cake, of course, along with hoodsies, juice and goodie bags, plus a G-rated video like Veggie Tales, a photo booth, and a framed birthday photo as a souvenir. Just $25 per child. Give us a call at 617-691-2526 or visit our website at WROLradio.com. And let's party for your child's birthday. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. Well, I left Kentucky back in 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. 
Well, if you would like to join us, we have a line open at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And if your name happens to be Tom, that's going to be a bonus because our next two callers are both named Tom. Well, let's go to uh, Tom from Kingston. Tom, is that you? It is me. Well, see, you're, you're one of the two Toms that are on hold right now. Tom number one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> this is my first time calling all year. There you go. Yeah, yeah. My first time being here all year. So, yeah, there you go. So, so it all works out. I got a comment before I ask my question. Sure. That was a wealth of information, even something so simple as windshield washing fluid, but so important. Just this past week, I was in a dollar store because I give my grandchildren. You can buy anything you want in this store. And it's all a dollar. It's, it's all great. a dollar. Yeah. You can't go wrong. You know, that type of thing. I, I think Marita actually ought to do a, some kind of blog about how she could live in the dollar store like for six <laughs> months. She could buy clothes, food, uh, I don't know. Well, you know, even the greeting makeup, cards. Yeah, greeting the, cards. The greeting cards, and on the back it says three ninety nine, four ninety nine. Yep. They're a yep. dollar. Some of them are two for a dollar. Yeah, no, no, it's a uh, dollar store is great. Yeah, and yeah. then also, like I said, I was looking at the windshield, wa- uh, windshield washer fluid, and you're right. 10 degrees and above yeah, for a buck. Do you really want to take a chance with the motor? No, I, I, I wouldn't because, you know, some of, some, of the windshield, some of the windshield washer pump motors, you know, they're pretty simple, but why break a reservoir or break a pump or, you yeah. know, even break one of the, you know, they used to be nice little flexible rubber hoses. Now some of them are hard or plastic. And, uh, you know, yeah, 10 above zero is not, not the windshield washer. Not, not that stuff is good for if you're cheap, buy a gallon of that and refill a spray container to use, like, as Windex in your house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then you get a gallon of, you know, like, Windex for your house. You can clean your mirrors and countertops and stuff with that stuff. That That's a good use of it for a dollar. Yeah, and what's that other stuff that you put on uh, my little brain dead this morning? Uh, oh, uh, Rain-X. Rain-X, yep. I love Rain-X in the summertime to put on my windshield. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, especially if you do any highway driving. Yeah, no, uh, my, um, my wife's new car, when we got it, um, the dealer put, they cleaned it all off, and they use a, they use a Rain-X uh, uh, window cleaner. And I the the last time I drove it, I think was the first time I actually put the windshield wipers on because out on the highway you'd be driving along and you didn't need the wipers. The water was just shedding right off the windshield. Yeah, I just yeah. love that yeah. part about it, especially yeah. if I'm taking a ride out to New York or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Taking the Mass Pike, it's nice you don't have to have the wiper blades on. Yep. Yeah. And in the winter, it's the know who appreciates that the people taking your toll money. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah, they don't like it. They don't like getting whacked with the uh, water off the windshield as you pull into the toll. So definitely. Yeah. So here's my question: All I right. have a uh, container of mystery oil. Yeah. Where can I put it? Can I add it to the gas? Can I add it to the oil? Can I add it to the transmission fluid? Can I add it to the power steering fluid? How old is it? It's an O three O four. Oh, okay. No, but I mean the mystery oil's been. Mystery. Oh, mystery oil is probably a good, uh, I'd say, got it about five years ago. Oh, okay. Um, mystery oil, I think oil doesn't go bad. Uh, oil, yeah, oil. I, you know, other than it could collect a little bit of moisture. Um, never been yeah, opened. Never, oh, never been opened. Feel on it. I, I, you know, you can, you know, you can add it to, you can add it to the uh, gasoline without any problem. Uh, so there's no problem with that. And you can certainly add it to, uh, you can add it to the, um, 
to the engine, um, you know, add it to the engine oil before you do an oil change. So maybe you're, you know, 500 miles away from doing an oil change. Add it to that. It'll just kind of wash away any varnish that's in there. Um, I've never been a big believer in adding it to power steering and transmission fluid for no particular reason. I just never really thought about it. So uh, add it to the fuel, no problem at all. Add it to uh, the engine oil, no problem at all. What's the advantage of adding it to the fuel? Uh, it's just it's it just uh, helps uh, as a a way to take any uh, uh, valve deposits away. It's like any it's like any kind of gasoline additive. Okay, so it's, it's, a, it it's a it's a it's a kerosene based oil. So you know, so it helps it helps remove some of the additives that can build up. So add it to the gas yep. gasoline tank yep. and then add the gas yep. to it after that. Yeah, uh, just follow the direction on the can, but that's usually the way it is. Okay, good. Yep. Great show as usual. Okay. Looking forward to that. Twelve was it twelve sixty a.m. Yeah, twelve sixty a.m. on Sunday nights at nine. Okay, good. You might well, hear you, you might hear yourself. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, listen, have a great week. All right, you too, Tom. Bye bye. Over to Tom on line three. I'm always second best. I'm always uh, number two. Well, <laughs> you're, no, you're, you're number one. You're number one, too. Yeah. A lot of crazy questions that you answer for me. And a couple of questions that I have today. Last week you were talking about winter gas. Yep. When does that change from, when is the time of year that summer gas leaves and winter gas starts? Well, and this is kind of an odd year because we've seen the gas prices go down. But right. normally, on a normal year, when you start to see the gas prices start to go down in the fall, that's because they're starting to sell off their winter gasoline. So usually it's September, October. Usually by the time late October rolls around, all the gas has been converted over to winter gas. Okay, so November, you're pretty safe. Yeah, but, uh, but like the mistake I made a couple of years ago, I had a five, probably wasn't five, three-gallon gas can that I filled up just at the end of the summertime. I went to use that gasoline in the wintertime in a snowblower. I couldn't start that thing for the life of me. I must have pulled 5,000 times before it finally started. And right. It finally mm-hmm. started because the engine got hot enough to start it. And then I said, well, what's wrong with this? I let it sit for a couple of days. Checked the spark plug, it was good. Checked the spark, it was good. Went to do it again, sprayed a little bit of starting fluid in there, started up right away. So I said, well, the fuel has gone bad, but yet I don't, you know, I added the fuel to my car because my car held, held 16 gallons of gas. So I added, you know, a couple of gallons to that and it burnt right through it with no problem. But it was more to do with the fact that it just, it may have started to go a little bit stale, but that summertime gas doesn't start the same way wintertime gas does. So, right. Yeah. An observation, uh, I have a chainsaw where you mix it with oil. Yep. You, know, you mix the oil mm-hmm. and you put it in there. Yep. Notice that with that, when you mix the oil in it, I don't do anything else to that during the winter, and it usually will start right up and run in the springtime. You know, it seems yeah. like that oil does something, you know. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, and I don't, I've never really looked into it, but I have a, you know, I have a two-stroke uh, weed whacker, and... I don't do anything to it. I've had the thing for yeah. ten years. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever done anything to it. Other, you know, when spring comes around, start it and it starts up. And exactly, yeah, that's yeah. what I was. Which saying. I think is, which I think is one of the reasons why you know, the Tom that was before you, you know, adding mystery oil to gasoline might yes. help, might help actually stabilize it a little bit too. Yeah, I think so. And just uh, one last question sure. on driving: Is it? You know, people back out into roadways, out of driveways. Some are on main roads and some, you know, on sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Is that legal or illegal to back out onto a roadway just as a liability? Like- as, a, as a liability, anytime you back out of anything, uh, if you 
cause a crash, you're going to be at fault. So okay. backing out of a driveway, uh, in theory, you're always supposed to pull out of a driveway, not back out of a driveway. And um, the other thing that happens is um, no matter what, backing out or even driving out, if the road's not clear and something happens, it's still your fault because you're joining the active traffic. But, yeah, right. you if you're backing out of a driveway and something happens, you're going to be immediately cited for you know failure to yield. Right, because yep. the point I'm just going to make is I always back in everywhere I go uh, for that reason. But, you know, now with the winter, if people pull in and you have storms and they shovel the mounds. They cannot see at all backing oh, out. Oh. And the roads are slick and you're coming down the road, you know, and then somebody starts to come out and then you slide. You know, I'm just saying... Yep. In the winter, at least, people should back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it makes all the sense in the world. And for me, um, if I am if I have to be to work early, like I do on most days, right. and I don't necessarily have to shovel the driveway, I like the idea of backing in my driveway because I know I can get a little bit of a run and start, and I can see where I'm going when I pop out of the end of my driveway. Yes, that's the other, yeah, yeah the good, yeah. good point of it. I've just never seen that anywhere, like in AAA question. You know, I just never see that brought up very much, you know? All right, I'll put it in there. There you go. <laughs> All right, Thank you very much. All right. Happy New Year. All right, Happy New Year to you, you too, too, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go over to Paul and Braintree. Paul, is that you? Oh, good morning. Happy yeah. New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. I just took it off the speakerphone. The, um, which I've been using a lot, trying to get my home delivery of the Boston Globe and read your column, which yeah. I haven't been able to do yet. Well, yeah, good luck with... I understand there's been some problems. They have a new dis- distribution network. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they hired these people without hiring drivers first. I guess that's the bottom line. Smart move. Yeah, you know, yeah. With the, if it ain't broke, don't yeah. fix it. Can't well, they, couldn't, they, couldn't they get just some like old Red Sox players to deliver? I mean, John Henry you know, must have some connection. Yeah, somewhere. that's true. I never yeah. thought of that. You yeah. know, but, uh, you know. Somebody's still got a pretty good arm that could get the, door to, the paper to your door. Well, three strikes and they're out. Yeah, I think so. I get a yeah. Sunday paper. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, let them come begging back to me. So you know, it, it's funny. I, you know, not not to get on the paper topic too sure, much, but, but I used yeah. to get the local South Shore paper, yeah. and I got it. You know, for all the years I've ever been married, I always got the newspaper. And and last winter. There was we couldn't get the paper, you know, with all the storms, and then we'd get we wouldn't get Monday and Tuesday, and then on Thursday we'd get Thursday and Monday, and and I said to him, you know, look, you know, I understand the weather's been bad, and you know, see what you can do, and I said, you know, I used to want it in the door, but I'll just I'll just take it now. I don't care where it ends up. I'll just take it, and then same thing happened. I couldn't get it, and I couldn't get it, and finally they said to me, why don't? Why aren't you renewing your subscription? I said, I want to, but you can't get the paper to my door, or, or even in my yard, and and I, I said, you know, you've tried a couple of times. You've, you've even told me you've talked to the carrier, and just, you know, the days of kids delivering a paper, at least you used to get it. That's right. Yeah. I had some experience with that same paper, where they're offering me a, uh, a free trial yeah. of the Saturday edition of that paper. Yeah. It never came. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I called and they complained that I was complaining. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have that paper either. Yep. Anyway, uh, back, to, back to cars. Uh, simple question. Do you know whether or not um, Monster has had any recalls of its um, battery? I've had uh, within um, uh, a month and a half, I've had to replace my battery twice. Hmm. Uh, both Monster batteries. Uh, thank you for AAA, by the fact, they, uh, an express towing that came here. Um, great people that came right away and and started my car. Um, took it back to Quirk Monster. They were really good. They took it for a day, and uh, 
they performed a GR8 diagnostic diagnostic load test. Mm -hmm. The battery failed, and they replaced it with a new one. And the draw test found at 35 mil milliamps within specification. Mm. Yeah. Um, so they don't know why, but apparently, well, AAA was right. When they, they put their uh, diagnostics on the battery and said it had a failed cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, unfortunately, it took Mazda two days to come to the same conclusion. <laughs> but uh, I'm wondering whether or not, uh, you know, since this is a Mazda battery, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who makes. I mean, there's only yeah. there's only four or five battery manufacturers, and you know, there's only four in the United States. There's probably maybe there's a dozen in the world. You know, is it made by you know is it made by East Penn? Is it made by Johnson Control? Who knows? I don't know of any particular battery failure. I mean, I looked real quick on mm-hmm. uh, recalls, and I don't see anything. So, but is it possible they have some sort of a, you know some sort of an issue? The other thing is. Batteries are very sensitive to age, and at AAA, for instance, we try to we and it's, here's a, here's kind of a dirty secret about batteries. Um, the testing when you go to test a battery, it's really only designed to be tested within something like seven days after production. So oh. you basically have to catch it as it's coming off the assembly line to test it. Um, what we do at work is we keep our batteries on the shelf for about three months or so. And at the end of three months, we send them back to East Penn, back to the company who makes them. And East Penn makes DECA batteries. They make batteries for BMWs. They, they make, they're, they're probably, of the top four battery companies, they're probably number two. And then what happens is, and we don't know this to be the case, but we think it is, they get, go back to the factory and they get relabeled as somebody else's batteries. So, um, you buy them at the dollar store? Uh, no, but I think you buy them at that big store that starts with a W. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, because I've seen, um, I've seen that store where I've looked at a battery on the shelf, and they have these little sticky date tabs on the battery, and I've seen some that were a year old. And it does make a difference. How fresh the battery is can make a difference. And the other thing is. The way to, when you go to put a battery in a car that hasn't been fully charged, so you put one in that's down to like 12.2 volts, oh, yeah, it's going to start the car. But it never really, it, you know, we want to see it at, you know, 12.4, 12.5. We want to see that battery up to full, full charge before we put any kind of load on it. And the best way, you know, the best thing you can do is before you, you know, is to, have a, you know, and years ago, Sears used to do this. Sears would have a rack in their warehouse and it would have all these batteries on trickle chargers. So when you went to go, when you went to get a battery, it would be a fully charged battery. And that doesn't always happen. And that might have been why the second battery went bad in your car. Maybe it just wasn't, maybe the charge rate wasn't right when you, uh, when they put it in and it just didn't last because of that. I mean, yeah, we think it would last a month. Yeah, no, no. That is more. Uh, that is more characteristic than not. Can you tell? It probably has. I haven't looked in the engine. It probably has an Amaz on the battery. But is there any way you can find out what the company is that manufactured it? Um, not that it matters. Probably does. no. I mean, it might say something. You know, it might say like USA or some. It might say something on it, but uh, but a lot of times it won't say anything. You know, it's some. You know, some special code. 
Probably, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, when you go, you know, you go to stop and shop and buy a bag of chips, you know, they, they might be yeah. made by Wise or Lay's, you don't know, but... I lost my Dakota ring a long time ago. Yeah, I know. Um... Do they still put those in cereal boxes? Though <laughs> I think I think. Well, my wife worked at Stop and Shop for a bunch of years, and she she said to me, "Oh, yeah. she said all oh, these uh, the uh, Stop and Shop chips are the same as Lay's." And I said, "How do you know?" She said, "They come in on the same truck." Oh, really? Yeah. And I said, "Oh, <laughs> that, that explains it." Oh well. Yeah. Well, happy have a happy new year. I haven't started my car this morning, so uh, um, they thought it might have been the remote start, but they threw it, went through everything, and nothing is draining it. Yeah. So it, it wasn't that. So. Yeah. No, it you know everybody likes to everybody likes to blame the you know something else and you know like uh, you know I was kind of reading uh, Scott Scott Weaver's column you know sometimes you got to look and see if the on switch is on absolutely yeah. <laughs> thank you very much all right. that was great to all right bye take bye. care bye bye six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty somebody sent me an email last week and said you don't give out the phone number often enough from my New Year's resolution. I'm going to try to give out the phone number more often. 617-770-3030 is the number. And I get through and talk to us about your car and your car problem. Uh, good little article about gasket sealing. If you do your own work, it says, uh, uh, you know, oil leaks. Uh, General Motors recall 1.4 million 97 and 2003 vehicles with 3.8 liter engine because of oil leaks. So some of these uh, vehicles have a condition in which drops of oil are accumulated in the spark plug wire loom and may be deposited in the exhaust manifold during hard braking as part of the recall GM dealers will remove the spark plug wire retention channel at the front of the engine and install two new spark plug wire retainers. The logic is without the channels to retain the oil, there's less risk of fire. Does solve the whole problem? It was why? Where's the oil coming from? Well, the valve cover oil filler neck is leaking. Since these vehicles were manufactured, the aftermarket has made advancements in gasket materials, um, and as well as the geometry of the gasket. Another possible area of leaks includes the oil pan timing cover. The timing uh, cover houses the oil pump and and filter mount. Most leaks in the front cover come from the oil pump cover seal. Most aftermarket gasket manufacturers make gaskets that include all the gaskets to reseal the front cover. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's take Harry, and then we'll take a break. Hi. Good morning. Hi, Harry. How are you? Good. Um, I have a check-in. No, a maintenance required. Okay. That came up in the car. So I think it's because uh, it needs an oil change. Very well could be. I've gone about 5,000 miles, and um, next month it'll be uh, five months. Okay. But we're going to Florida for um, a month. Uh, in the middle of this coming week, and uh, can I wait till February, or do I not want to leave dirty oil in the engine and start it up that way when I come back in February? Oh, that, that, you could, you could, uh, you could leave it and wait till you come back in February. The problem is, you might want to do it now, only because the weather in February is going to be might be miserable. Uh huh. You know. You know, but it, it is you know it's it's more to do with the running of the car, and at you know f- you know five thousand miles is you know is letting it sit another month going to make any real difference? Not really. Okay. Not really. So, um, just just important to get it done. That's all. All right. More important. More importantly, where in Florida are you going? Uh, to Hollywood, just uh, south of uh, Fort Lauderdale. I love Hollywood. I love. I I went there once a couple of years ago. I stayed at a stayed at a, a little one story hotel. It was the intercoastal was a was a two minute walk in one direction, and the ocean was a five minute walk in the other direction. A little place yeah. called the DeSoto, and uh-huh. yeah, on DeSoto Road, I think. But yeah. what a no, nice nice little area. 
It is, and when, uh, you know, we're going to stay in that area. We have relatives there, and we'll stay there for about a month. And, um, you know, we make little side trips yep. to the west coast of Florida where the sun sets into the ocean. Yep. And, uh, yep. you know, we may go down to the Keys. And who knows, maybe yeah. even Cuba. Hey, well, there you go. There you go. They, yeah. If they, if they yeah. let us do that. If they, if they let you go. Well, you know, somebody somebody said, uh, you know, good or bad, The uh, they built a gigantic Margaritaville Hotel now in Hollywood, and people either like it or hate it, so... I, yeah, last we were there last year, and it was uh, under construction. Yep. So that should be even. That's a nice beach. Well, yeah, that yep. Hollywood. Yeah, no, it's it's all done. So I'm jealous. Well, I wish you could all come with me. Okay. I invite all of Massachusetts to come down. All, yeah. all right, all right, just me and Marita. All that's, right, that's okay. All right, and the missus. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Yeah, of course. All right. Okay. Have a healthy, happy New Year. You too, Harry. Take care. Bye bye. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. And in the studio, over in the corner, finishing his dissertation on his cell phone is Paul Sullivan. We'll be right back. WROL Boston. Salem Media Group is pleased to welcome a new show on our airwaves, Catch a Vision with Susie and Allie. This unique and engaging program will captivate you with its interviews and special guests. Be sure to catch your premiere Sunday, January 3rd at 10.30 a.m. on WROL 9.50 a.m. Sadly, the attack at the Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, forces all of us to rethink our approach to security in our churches. 950 WROL invites you to a special timely church security summit. The summit is absolutely free to pastors and pastoral staff and will be held Thursday, October 29th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Congregation Lion of Judah, 68 Northampton Street in Boston. We do need to know who's coming, so RSVP at WROLradio.com. Attendance is limited for this special event, so register soon. Get free advice from law enforcement officials, gun law and ownership specialists, insurance experts, and more. Lunch will be served, brought to you in part by Hunter Trading Post. Plan to attend the Church Security Summit at the Congregation Lion of Judah, 68 Northampton Street in Boston. RSVP today at WRORadio.com. That's WRORadio.com. Miss your favorite show? A nation free to form its destiny under God. Empowerment of others. Service building of others. Don't let me quit. Or if you just want to hear it again, check out our podcast page at WRORadio.com. All your favorite ministries on demand whenever you want them, day or night, and all for free. Just visit our podcast page at WRORadio.com. Download and enjoy.
And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. So, again, thanks to Ed Welsh for calling in and giving us... He actually puts thought into his program, doesn't he? He had that whole little monologue all done. <laughs> kind of kind of feel a little hurt, though. <laughs> Let's talk to Sally. Hi, Sally. Hello. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you this morning? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. So I want to say thank you for one thing you did for me last year. I called about donating a car, and you gave me a bunch of tips about calling vocational schools. Okay. So I wanted to say thank you for that. We were able to donate to Sharsheen Tech. Oh, good. So um, the other question I have, I was listening to the tire information, which was fabulous. We have an 06 Toyota Highlander. Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which I have really good tires on, but they've got 80,000 miles on them. It's time to get rid of them. We had a tough time a few weeks ago in Vermont with a, an unexpected snowstorm. So two things. Um, you were talking about the little tire monitor uh, on some tires, mm-hmm. and how would I know if I have that, if I have to reset the computer that you guys were mentioning um, on the earlier portion of the Well, of the if you have metal valve stems. so metal, not, okay. Yeah, so if they're metal and not rubber and they don't, you know, chances are they're probably tile tire pressure monitor systems. Okay. So, which is fine. If you go to a good tire store like a Sullivan Tire, mm-hmm. they'll put the new tires on, they'll reset them, and you'll be on your way, and they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But what happens is uh, when you, you know, your system might actually tell you if you have a low tire what position it's in. So you okay. just have to be aware that they go back, and a good tire store will put them back in the right spot. So Okay. Can I just ask another um, portion of that? With the Highlander, when I bought it, even when I bought it in 06, and my husband's driving it now, I have another car, no one was able to tell me what that ECT button on the the, um, uh, console does. And I think it's just to get out of a, a driveway that hasn't been plowed, just to give you that an initial burst out of the driveway. But no one really knows what, it's, what it can do or how long you leave it on for. Um, and, uh, and I can't even really find stuff online or even in my manual. And, you know, it is over almost 10 years old. Do you have any knowledge of that? Well, it, um, there's two possibilities. One is it actually shuts off the electronic traction control. Oh, okay. And what that does, there is time. There are times where you actually want the wheels to spin, mm-hmm. and that's what it's designed for. It's designed to allow because normally what happens when the wheels start to spin, it might slowly apply the brake on one wheel to try to transfer the torque to the other wheel. But there's times where you're stuck in the snow, you actually want the wheels to spin a little bit, and that's what it does. It disables the traction control system. Oh. The other possibility is there's another button that's sometimes called electronic. Transmission control, which actually holds it in gear a little bit longer, and you would use that more for towing a trailer. But chances are with the Highlander, it probably shuts off the traction control. Yeah, because it says ECT snow. It actually says the word snow. Oh, okay. Yep. So, and it's near the... The shift, um, yeah, yeah, and what that could the other possibility it could be because there's three kind of possibilities, I guess. Uh The other one is it actually locks up the front and rear wheels and puts it into uh, a a position where if you were in deep snow, it actually would help you pull it out, pull out of the snow a little bit better, right? And I think that's what they were all explaining to me. So we were trying to get up a hill, and we we know we have bad tires and need to replace them. I said, Let's try this, and it actually helped, it helped a little bit, yeah. So, Um, so it doesn't shut off the traction control because if it did Uh the wheels would just spin more Uh so what it's doing is it's actually applying an even it's essentially it's called a a differential lock it applies even uh 
traction uh, between the front and rear wheels. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have suggestions on, when you were talking about battery life, um, you know, things that could be old, is it the same with tires, like worrying about getting older tires from a shop? That might be more dry. The rubber could be drier. Most. Like, how do you know? Yeah, you're getting you what you're don't. For? You know, if you were buying, <laughs> if you were buying from a corner gas station that might yeah. have the same tires in the shop forever. Yeah. Uh, that I'd worry about. If you're mm-hmm. buying from a good tire store, like like I said, Sullivan Tire yeah. or Direct Tire or somebody like that, they 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 go through their inventory really fast. Yeah. So right. I wouldn't worry about it. Excellent. Thank you. Happy okay. New Year. Okay. You too, Sally. Bye bye. And there's Sully over in the corner with his short sleeve shirt because it's springtime. But no shorts. No shorts. Long pants today. It's Long cold pants. out there. Yeah, it was a little chilly this morning. Yeah, Ed was saying what in uh, Utica it's going to be, what, zero? zero. <laughs> I think it might be close to that yeah, here yeah. come Monday There's, night. Or... They're saying definitely wind chill yeah. below zero. Yeah. So And it, ocean effects snow or something like that. Yeah, down the Cape they, they expect some snow. and um, You know, uh, Chamber of Commerce, you know, you play golf year-round down the Cape. Mm-hmm. Well, not last year. No, but some years, yeah. But uh, but it, you know, it, you, you look at it, talking about the phone apps. You look at your phone app. You can get weather down the Cape, and it's generally you know seven eight degrees warmer down there than it is. Oh yeah, up here. Yeah. So. No, I on my uh, we're, we were talking during the commercial break about how smart smartphones are and what people can do with them. And I still look at you know every once in a while I stop on some old movie channel and I just if they only had a smartphone, right. they could they could have solved that murder yeah days ago. You know. Try to go on a scavenger hunt for a payphone now. I, do, you know, I, I, do you know where there are any? I don't. In East Bridgewater on Route 18 <laughs> at the Cumberland Farms. Is it operational? <laughs> I took a picture of it because it just, and it said, and it was made with, a, it said a sign, and it said, use this phone from inside your car. Hmm. So you could actually pull up to it. It had kind of a long cord on it, so you could. Just like you, one of those things, the drive-in? Yeah. You know, the thing yeah, is stuck in your like, window? Same idea, and I went, yeah. what a novel idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine it gets a lot of use. No, no it's, it's a relic. Yeah, but, yeah. but they, they had one. It just kind of it kind of made me, I was getting gas. I'm like, is that a payphone? What do you think ever happened to the lady that used to go, please deposit five cents for the yeah. next? She be, she became the, the woman who does all the voicemail now. Yeah. 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 That's what I want to be when I grow up. I know. Wouldn't that be nice? Yep. Yep. So what's up for the Irish Hit Parade for the first Irish Hit Parade show of 2016? Happy New Year. So 2016, that means this is the beginning of our 49th year on so the radio. You, so what's you doing for 50? Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Next year. Next year? Tomorrow. <laughs> big party for Try 50? Trying to rush it. What? Big, big Ask party Carol. I think she's got something planned, yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. Some big, some, some big thing, get all the fans together and... Yeah. Yeah. I might even go to that. Well, back in the day, we used to think that, uh, you know, people, our audience was, um, uh, how do I say this now? Going towards reward. But uh, <laughs> what's happened is that we've captured new generations. Yeah. People get a little bit older. They get more in tune with heritage and, you know, where they came from. And, you know, what's that website that helps you out? Ancestry.com. Yeah. 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 People get more attuned with that and then they become more um, reflective on their own culture right. and heritage. Yeah. So we have, uh, yeah, some of our audiences going on but uh we're acquiring new folks I I, think. we've been doing that for a few years i noticed I that's all good stuff yeah all right so the very best in irish music with the irish music expert paul sullivan happy new year happy new year till next week make sure you wear your seatbelt drive safely and be good to your car talk to you all next week bye-bye